Welcome to the Medical Mnemonist Podcast, brought to you by Med School Coach. Each episode, take a journey into the top techniques for medical mnemonics, study skills, board exam tips, and accelerated learning in higher education. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Welcome back, lifelong learners. I have an interesting topic to discuss today. It's kind of a novel approach. I'm not sure that anyone's ever discussed this in the past, at least not that I'm aware of. Definitely not one of the more evidence-based approaches that we usually talk about, but it does combine a few different things that are either evidence-based or that I've personally had experiences with, and I thought it might be interesting to discuss them with you. So I was talking to someone recently about lucid dreaming. And for those of you that don't know, lucid dreaming is when you are aware that you're dreaming while dreaming so that you can actually take control of the dream. You can change the actions and the outcomes. And a lot of people will state that once they realize they're in a dream, they're like, okay, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to fly around town or do something outrageous because now you have control over this artificial reality that's going on inside your brain. And it's a really interesting topic, and I can't say that I'm an expert on teaching lucid dreaming or anything like that. There are definitely plenty of websites you can type in how to lucid dream. You can find a book at your local library or maybe Amazon that can explain it better. But basically, I was thinking, what if we utilize this dream time and this skill that seemingly anyone can develop, even though it seems really weird, not a lot of people talk about it, Pretty much any skill should be available to anyone that practices it enough and finds a way that they can learn it. What if we use this for our studies? So that's what I want to discuss a little bit today is how to use lucid dreaming and dreaming in general to study medicine and other topics that are very information dense. So I'm going to start off with the approach that I think is going to be the most beneficial. Because if you are able to take control of your dreams, let's say, what are you going to be able to utilize to study there? You're not going to have your notes in front of you. You're not going to have your textbook, or maybe you'll have the textbook, but it's unlikely you're going to be able to quote unquote read this textbook while dreaming, unless you have photographic memory and have memorized the location of every word on every page, which to my knowledge does not actually exist in real life. Eidetic memory is really not something that you see, definitely not how it's portrayed in movies or anything like that. So what can we actually utilize within dreams? Well, I would say visuals are going to be the best medium for this. And if we're going to use visuals, then why not use our mnemonics and memory palaces that we discussed in so many episodes in the past? So if you're new to the show, or if you just need a refresher, let's quickly discuss what visual mnemonics and memory palaces are, and then let's see how we can utilize these, potentially anyway, for our studies. Again, this is not something that I've actually read about or even practiced at this point. It's just something that came to me recently. I haven't practiced lucid dreaming in a long time. So how to implement this exactly? It's going to be a a little bit of trial and error, I'd say, for everyone. But a lot of these skills are. They're very personalized. So Let's start with the visual mnemonic. This is something that many of you may be aware of from commercial products like Sketchy Medicine or Picmonic. We've also had them in past episodes of The Medical Nemonist, so go back and check out the early episode with Sketchy Medicine and Picmonic. And we recently did another episode with the other CEO of Sketchy, so you can kind of see what they do, how they approach creating visual mnemonics. Or if you just want to use their pre-made ones, that is fine too. 
Either way, try to have some visuals that you can utilize, and then we can place them in the memory palace. The memory palace is something we've discussed in multiple episodes at this point, and how to approach it can vary depending on what you need to study, how much information there is, what is important for you, what parts you remember naturally or easily, and which parts you have more difficulty with. It's going to be a very personalized approach, so do check out past episodes to see how to really approach making your own memory palace. We're not going to go into great detail here, but we definitely have dozens of episodes that discuss this from trainers, from memory champions, and from medical practitioners themselves. And the basic concept is the memory palace is any kind of location that you can visualize. Most people start with like their house or a friend or family member's house. You can use public locations, schools, libraries, hospitals, the local eatery or gas station you frequent, whatever it might be. Making a list of these can be very useful later on. And then you can start creating the visual mnemonics and placing them in these memory palaces. Terminology we use a lot is that there are macro stations within the memory palace. So that would be like your rooms in a house, your bedroom, kitchen, living room. Then we have the micro stations, which are in the macro stations. And that would typically be furniture, light switches, doors, windows. These are locations that you can place your mnemonic on, place your visual imagery on for later recall. And having that location based makes a good reference because if you're just trying to remember, let's say 20 or 30 different visual mnemonics, you might not recognize if you miss one of them in your recollection as you're reviewing the material. If, however, you are picturing your bedroom and you're looking at the dresser and like, I know a visual goes there, I just can't think of which one it is, then at least you're made aware of it and you can go back and review and you might have written down your visuals like an outline of where things are so you can use that as a reference later on. Either way, we're not getting too much in the weeds about actually creating your memory palace. But let's say we had many memory palaces as well. I think episode 33 and 35 had Dr. Lev Goldentouch discuss how he has memory cities, where he's combined all of these different memory palaces into his own visual city, and he can zoom around from one to the next to the next and recall like a million items in one sitting. I definitely haven't reached that skill level, and I don't think it's necessary that we all do in order to pass our exams and study and be lifelong learners. But any little bits and skills that we can develop are going to be helpful, and we can pass them on to the next generation, which can start earlier than we probably did, and develop them more fully. I want you to picture utilizing these memory palace skills while lucid dreaming. So let's say you become aware that you're dreaming, and now you can utilize this time within your dream to go through your memory palace. Maybe you're just recalling it, maybe you're actually walking through it in your dream. And you can use this as one of your space repetitions, basically. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be the only studying you'll do, but a lot of students do complain that, especially when they're starting off or they're not that skilled at this process, and it happens to me as well, that it can take a long time to create certain visuals. Some are easier to create. Others are hard to find this abstract representation, this caricature, this object to represent something in medical terminology. But let's say if you were able to develop this skill, you could maybe potentially spend a lot of your waking hours creating the visual mnemonics and placing them in memory palaces, and then you could actually review them at night while you're dreaming. Wouldn't that be cool? So there are definitely some possibilities here, and how far it goes, I don't know. 
I'm not going to claim that this is going to be more effective than whatever study strategy you're using currently, but it's definitely a creative way to implement new study techniques. And sometimes we just need to get past the monotony. Sometimes we need to try something fun, creative. Maybe we're just more artistic than some of the other classmates and the normal rote memorization and writing down notes isn't working for us. And generally speaking, that doesn't actually work for anyone according to the research out there. So let's try some more creative avenues. If you have the time to develop lucid dreaming and or visual mnemonic and memory palace skills, especially earlier on, if you're pre-med or even earlier, you probably have a huge advantage in this. You'll actually have the time to do so. Whereas if you're in medical school, you might just be trying to keep your head floating and keep your head above water and might not want to dedicate too much time to developing these new skills that are a bit novel and a bit unique and probably something you haven't really heard too much about in the past. And if any of you have experience in doing something like this, then please do let me know. I would love to hear your stories and maybe even bring them up on a future episode. And I want to just go into a little bit here about lucid dreaming because, again, I'm not an expert on this. I studied it many, many years ago. I was able to do it for a short period of time, and then I stopped practicing and it kind of faded away, like most skills do. If you read a lot of the material out there, there are different techniques that people implement for beginning your lucid dreaming trials. And for me, the ones I initially read about didn't work at all for me. I had to find my own. And that might be something that you have to run into as well. If you remember the movie Inception, you'll notice that he's constantly spinning this top. And the point of that, or having some sort of item like that, some people just constantly feel in their pocket and make sure an item's there in real life in their waking hours. And then if it's not there while sleeping, while in the dream, they know that they're dreaming. Or the top in Inception, you notice it never falls. And that's something that can really alert somebody that the dream is a dream, that the aspects of reality of physics are not playing a part there. That's why they kind of leave you on a cliffhanger there seems to maybe almost about to topple, but then it doesn't. So you don't know if he's actually in a dream or not in the end. There are other techniques where uh, I've heard of people hitting doorways as they go through the frame of a door and they get used to that feeling every time they go through a doorway. So if they go through a doorway in a dream, it's going to feel different, right? Because you're not actually physically hitting something. A lot of people claim that they can't feel anything, or at least they can't feel pain in a dream. I'm not sure how much that is based on fact or not, but it'll definitely be different. So that'll alert them, hey, my slapping my hand on this piece of wood or the doorframe, whatever it is, feels different. I must be dreaming right now. So I personally would always journal when I'd wake up and it let me know what I would dream about and know the topics that I was dreaming about. So I was more easily able to notice them while I was in the dream. These might sound all pretty far outlandish, but rest assured, you can do it. I've done it. And there are countless accounts of doing it. How to actually do a study on this, I have no idea, so there probably isn't much out there in the literature, I would assume. But you could practice this for your studies, and it could be an extremely fun, creative way to try something new, develop a new skill, and maybe even save time. Because if you could review your study materials several times while you slept, well, how much more time would you have during the day? So I want to leave you all with that. If this is interesting to you, Please feel free to share your experiences if you try to go forward with this or know anyone that does. I find it an extremely intriguing proposition, if nothing else. And I want to wish everyone happy holidays. I know Kwanzaa and Christmas is coming up. I think Hanukkah recently passed. I'm not sure the date for Kwanzaa. All of the holidays, 
be safe, wish the best for you, your friends, and family, and please do check in next week. Have you been thinking about one-on-one training and tutoring at a reasonable price? Well, Prospective Doctor is now sponsoring a limited number of free sessions with me each month. To register, you can go to prospectivedoctor.com chase and register for a free 30-minute coaching session. If you decide that you want to use their MCAT or USMLE tutoring services, you can now use the code CHASE10 to receive 10% off of your first $400 spent. Just enter CHASE10 and get your discount now. The Medical Mnemonist Podcast is powered by MedSchool Coach. To access MedSchool Coach services, including USMLE tutoring and residency admissions advising, visit our website at medschoolcoach.com. Good luck as you prepare for your board exams, and we hope you tune in again next time.